1: Hey, this is Trevor from Halifax calling in to say that I support Creative Control on Patreon because I think
0: long-form arts journalism is a crucial part of music culture, and there's simply not enough of it out there today. Vish is a master interviewer, he lands great
1: guests, and he has his finger on the pulse of the ever-changing music landscape both here in Canada and abroad. For all of these reasons and many more, I think you should support Creative
2: Control on Patreon too.
0: To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. I'm Visha's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do. And now he has me on the record saying that.
1: This is a remarkable and idiosyncratic band who hail from Oakland, California. Consisting of partners Meryl Garbus and Nate Brenner, Toonyards have released five sonically and lyrically provocative albums, some of which have the hallmarks of soulful pop music, but are also far too eclectic in their artistic scope and influence to pigeonhole or even adequately describe. Their latest album is called Sketchy and was released worldwide by 4AD Records on March 26th, 2021. A few weeks later, Meryl, Nate, and I connected for a talk where we discussed things like our respective geographical origins and my uncle in Connecticut, our time together at the Dawson City Music Festival some 12 years ago, we think, how the Doors had no bass, what returning to normalcy post-pandemic really means or maybe what it really should mean for all of us how creative people need to escape a mindset where they define their worth by making things for others and how such behavior relates to anxiety running and compartmentalizing notions of socio-cultural appropriation and art confronting what white supremacy really means their new album sketchy future plans and much more a part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control with additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and friendly staff who will happily help you source special orders for hard-to-find titles and new releases like Sketchy by Toon Yards. You can learn more about all of this at blackbird.ca also want to thank Massey Hall's concert film series live at masseyhall.com where you can stream dozens of 30 minute films for free including performances by past podcast guests like Destroyer plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero The Bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton this is the 616th episode of Creative Control featuring the brilliant and thoughtful tune Yards with your host me Vish Khanna Hi, Merrill. Hi, Nate. How are you? Doing great. Thanks, Vish. Thanks for having us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Nate, how are you?
2: Doing great as well. Thanks for having us, Vish.
1: Oh, it's, it's lovely to have you here. Uh, first of all, where in the world... Are you? Uh, I'll do my best, by the way, to, to uh, speak to each of you one at a time so I don't leave. Whenever I have multiple people, there can be like chaos because someone will say, how are you doing? And it's like five people. and like, Who's <laughs> supposed to answer this question? <laughs> so I'll try to say your name as much as possible. So uh, Merrill, where in the world are you uh, both today? Uh,
3: we are in Oakland, California, which is where we live and have lived for over, for me, over a decade. For you, how many years? It's Fifteen. Fifteen. 16.
2: Fifteen
1: years in Oakland—that sounds all right, Nate. Well, are you from there? Is that why you're there?
2: No, I'm from Bloomington, Indiana, actually. Oh, I moved here in 2005, so it's been—I don't even know how many years it's been, honestly. Who—who—who can keep track these days? (laughs) I think it's up but. to
1: us to keep track of our comings and goings. It's really no one else's. I mean, I think we're being monitored. I'm sure someone else is, but uh, yeah, no, it's definitely. Uh, <laughs> uh, what prompted you to move uh, from Bloomington, Indiana to Oakland, California? They're quite different vibes, I would say, based on my own experience. Actually, I've never been to, I've never been to Oakland. I should go sometime. But yeah, Bloomington I've been to, mm-hmm. and I gather my perception is they're different. What prompted the move?
2: I actually was... I moved from Oberlin, Ohio, in between. So I went to school there. And then. Plot twist, you're adding new cities. Yeah. just uh, <laughs> got keep you on your toes.
1: Yeah, I know you are. And now I'm like, "Where is it? I got to get a map yeah. out and figure yeah. out where you
2: where in America you've been?" So, in Oberlin's close to Cleveland, Ohio. I don't know if you've been there. I'm I've
1: been to Cleveland many times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have been. Yeah. Wait, this is actually okay. a, a US geography test yeah. and yeah, uh, that's there right will just... be a quiz after.
2: But where are I'm you? Not Th- that's a that's a real question where are you i am
1: uh, uh my family and i in january of 2020 we re- relocated from guelph ontario to uh edmonton alberta so wow. i'm in yeah wow indeed i am in edmonton alberta and uh Meryl, you are from where again originally so to speak
3: grew up mostly in connecticut the east
1: coast connecticut been been there my uncle is there? I don't know if you know my uncle, but he lives in Connecticut, and <laughs> <laughs> probably probably wouldn't have crossed paths. A little bit older, so I spent a week in Connecticut once. Uh, was Connecticut okay? Did you like it? I mean, you left, but
3: I uh, I left. Um, it's sub- <laughs> it's suburbia, you know. I mean, I yeah. I think there are parts of it that are more farm ish and and nature. This it's beautiful. Yeah. I don't know what you remember of it. There's definitely different areas of it, but it was very limiting. I grew up in a town that was very, very, very filled with rich people. <laughs> um, yes. Like it was, it's called the last station to heaven is this surname or whatever you call really? that. The Nick, the Nick. Yeah. And <laughs> it's because nickname? it's, huh. <laughs> it's the train. It's the last train station on the. New Canaan line coming in from New York City, so we had the investment bankers and the you know real estate brokers in Manhattan. We had all those people who mm. who didn't want to live in the city but made their city money and then so it was a really in some in a lot of ways it was a really
1: terrible place to grow, <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of and, people moved there as it's like a suburb of New York ostensibly exactly. is what you're saying yeah, exactly, yeah,
3: yeah. and my parents moved there. Quote for the schools, you know. I mean, it had a really—they had
1: really great teachers who were being paid
3: more than other teachers
1: in other places. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I remember being kind of wealthy. My only real memories are we stayed at my uncle and my aunt and uncle's place in an apartment, and uh, I remember that I bought a pair of uh, Andre Agassi Nikes. Uh, I don't know if you remember these; they're very colorful. Oh yeah yellow yeah
3: yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's been a while but yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah. i just said that's all i remember from connecticut that and my (laughs) uncle revealed that when he went to school at the university of michigan he thinks iggy pop was once his waiter and i'm like what he just because i was really into the doors at the time and i went to the connecticut mall or whatever it was and i bought like this doors live double tape in concert thing. I was really obsessed with the doors. It's like 91 or something. I was just really obsessed with the doors. And so I remember
3: around the time when that the movie came out, yeah, like there was like a
1: resurgence of doors love. Absolutely. I don't know. Do you care for the doors? Do either of you, Nate, do you like the
2: doors? I do not like the doors. Uh, (laughs) I think because they don't have a bass player, I, I mean, I probably would like them now, but I remember when I was in high school, I was like, how could they not have a bass player? I'm offended. I, I feel like ba- the,
3: doors, the Doors is like the only band that I've heard you be like, I do not like
1: this band. A lot of people don't like The Doors, but then I, every once in a while, it got lost to technology, but I had a conversation with Dan Behar of Destroyer, and like half an hour was about The Doors. Uh, wow. We had to we had to re record it and then we never mentioned the doors again, <laughs> so some happened with it anyway. Yeah, that's all I really remember, Connecticut. Anyway, sorry to, to tell you about that, but I did want to establish some geographic connections because I don't know if you remember this, Merrill. But you and I were both in the Dawson C- at the Dawson City Music Festival at the same time. Do you remember this? I do remember this, and actually, Nate, you were there.
3: Yes.
2: Oh, you were there. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't. I wasn't doing interviews back then. Actually. Oh. <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I I don't even think Meryl and I oh, oh, did an interview. Oh, so you didn't do an interview. So. I don't
1: think so. No, we we but we hung out a little bit, as I recall. Yeah,
3: yeah. I do recall. Yeah. And,
1: and we did, uh, I, I there was like the potluck thing where you had to play with people all of a sudden. Do you remember any of this, Meryl?
3: I mean, I'm letting you know that my memory is so terrible.
2: But... I, re- I remember you played the uh, You Can Call Me Al or some Paul Simon cover. Oh, God. The, That's right. You did. Yeah. Oh. Not me. I, You're not talking to me. I didn't do that. <laughs> I don't. I don't no. remember who was there. I, I remember Meryl was singing a Paul Simon cover, but I don't. I don't know if it was. You can call me Al or another. But it was off Graceland. I do remember. For it was, the
3: listeners, uh, I'm ha- making a cringy face. Maybe that's why I blocked it out of my memory. I mean, okay, and let's be fair. That was. It was what 2009. Like we're talking. Over a Yeah, 2010, ago. 2011,
1: yeah. something like that. Something yeah. like that. So that's fair. I'm just, uh, the potluck thing was fascinating because uh, basically bands were assembled at the very last minute. It was like what festivals have like a workshop mm-hmm. and you were, you were put on a team and you had to very quickly, like within an hour, uh, get ready to perform something. Right. Have you done anything? And I don't know if you remember. So I was in a group and we did Empire State of Mind by Jay-Z. Yeah. <laughs>
3: And I'm so, I'm so was, sorry
1: that I don't remember that. <laughs> well, it was a thing, and I can send you. this. Uh, anyway, it was kind of. I I, I still get like letters. Kind of,
3: kind of a big deal.
1: Well, it was this thing that like you did the Al song. Other people did other things, but it is fascinating. And I don't know if you've done this at other festivals. Like, have you done like workshops where you're like collaborating with others on mm, the fly? So never. I mean, that seems also like a much more of a folk
3: festival thing, which we tend not. Not to be invited to as much, but, um, oh. but, uh, because in the folk world, I feel like there's a lot more song trading like that, but Empire State of Mind, did you, did you rap? I, is I that wrapped you... it. Okay. Yeah. It is. Okay. Now yeah, it's, it's coming, coming back. To... <laughs> yeah. Do you actually remember this? I I mean, as you ever... talk about it, I'm like, oh, yes. There's a maybe you weren't even
1: in the th- maybe you weren't even in the tent, but I, I did like for me it was special because I knew it. I happened to know the words right. and the, I knew how to do the song, wow. but the band didn't. Like I mean, I was like we went to the hotel room <laughs> and I had the song and I played it for them. It must have been 09 because I think that's when that record came out. Mm-hmm. So I played the song for them and they were all like musicians are fascinating. Like I- I'm a musician as well, but like to learn that song like mostly pretty flawlessly because there's some video of it. I was like, "What the hell?" Like it's you know. <laughs> so I I don't know if you uh, that like I get you don't get to do that very often. But does that appeal to you, Nate? The notion of like just jumping into the fray with musicians
2: and seeing what happens. Definitely, but I I mean, maybe not in in terms of playing cover songs, but just improvising and yes. you know, playing everything the wrong way is exciting. <laughs> I, I mean, and I understand Nate Brenner comes from from jazz
3: i mean that that that's it feels like a a jazz thing to do is is to form groups of you know that cat can play let's get them together in this ensemble of people and kind of see what happens
2: but and i've also done a million like wedding gigs and background you know so i think at this point it's it's just kind of annoying to just be a, in a cover band. I mean, it's still fun. It's not annoying at all. It's great. I want to do it. I'd do it right now, you know, if I could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what can we well, right, now, right now? Yeah. Let's right do now we miss... <laughs> <it. laughs> yeah, when was the last
1: time, Meryl, that uh, I, saw, I saw you on uh, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert? Uh, mm-hmm. That was a live live performance, and that was really cool. But when was the last time Tune Yards... Do you remember when the last time you played, per se, was? Like in front of people or in any other kind of setting?
3: Yeah, we did a big show at the L.A. Philharmonic space, so it was it was like an epic way to go out. That's crazy that you moved in January 2020. That was when we had our last show it was January of 2020.
1: Yeah, um, I, I've made this joke many times uh, with different guests. Mm-hmm. It is baffling to me that we moved and the world, because everyone was like, aren't you going to miss everything? Your friends, the restaurants, mm-hmm. yeah. the yeah. concerts yeah. in Toronto <laughs> yeah. and Guelph, and I was like... Not as much as you think, and then the next month everything shut down, and now I look like—if you can see—I look like a evil wizard. I'm growing like a pandemic <laughs> oh, facial thing. Is that a pandemic?
3: Thing. Is that pandemic facial? It's
1: all—it's about a year. My my wow. daughter Ramona asked me to grow it for uh, to be Santa Claus. Well, I started. I was like, I guess I'm not go. I don't have to go into the office. Why would I shave? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I. It's from. Is it? It's April. Christmas was a while ago but I still have it. it's, it's it looks amazing. Be, though I, oh, you I like it?
2: Say, I do. A lot yeah. of men like it. The men like it. I've noticed I, it. I'm a woman I and that. I like it. Uh, you like will, it? Okay. And I will say, as soon as I saw you, I was like... Oh, I can really be comfortable and, you know, get deep on this podcast, tell some jokes. It's just like, it makes it, it makes us really, your beard makes us comfortable. That's true. <laughs> this guy he's clearly doesn't fan. care. Yeah. Anything goes with this guy. He
1: doesn't exactly. care about what he looks like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's he's, fair. He's a
3: wizard. This is going to be
1: great. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is, uh, anyway, so yeah, so the last time you played, January 2020, so... I've been asking people this. It's it's an obvious question, I suppose, but to be honest, the answers are never obvious. When I talk to musicians about what this stillness, what this year and a bit have been like, now, uh, just to frame this for you, some musicians say, "Oh, I'm I'm actually feeling okay about like I didn't have to hit the road behind a record. I got to stay home and do some stuff from here. I I dug in. I." Some people have said, I can't create anything, there's no mood, everything's so grim, particularly American uh, artists are just like, it's (laughs) fucked up to think about songwriting right now. But others are like, no, it's good, I have time. So this is uh, varied answers, I will ask you both how the year has been uh, for you, if you don't mind, Um, because it's also a time of introspection, the stillness gives you time to think, and time! We get some time to ourselves, which we generally don't have. So I'll start with you, Meryl. Meryl, how would you characterize, given everything I just did to lead you into that uh, question or out of that question, how would you characterize uh, this uh, pandemic year uh, for you creatively, philosophically, personally?
3: Well, I think I was just reflecting on 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 April a year ago, and I remember thinking... In those early months of pandemic, that there were like seasons. There was like a, you know, oh, this is the this is the season where I'm reading this one. Like I read this one book on Bertolt Brecht that was just a list. It was not a book. It was a list of dates of where he was every year of his life. Oh wow! <laughs> and it was like the most comforting, be- because the man kept making art through fleeing from germany f- through denmark russia moving to getting to hollywood and that whole time during the war he was making work um yeah. anyway so there was the brecht season <laughs> and the, and but i was reflecting on a year ago it was a lot quieter in our neighborhood like the, you didn't hear planes you did not hear as much traffic you didn't hear the hustle and bustle of the city as much and there was this really beautiful quiet stillness time and I miss that time it's not like that anymore even though we're in very similar viral situations but that is that is to say that I think for us we're just you know it's scary it's been scary and I think trying to figure out how much of our living we make we make the majority of our living through touring. That's the economics yes. of Toon Yard so far. Um, yeah. But we had already been reconsidering that given the climate emergency that we're in and how scoring or other things that we can do from home might fit into the economy of our work. So I, I feel like for me, it was a really important all systems halt and to really slow down and then reconsider how we released this last album, which we took a lot more time with, I think, yeah. because we wanted to really ride culture a bit. We had an album basically done. We just hadn't mixed it yet. So I feel like a lot of the songs felt very relevant and applicable to, to living through a pandemic. Just whatever. We can talk more about that. Or not? Yeah, but no, no. um, uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: But it felt like oh, this is this is work that feels like you know feels relevant and that a thing that I'm proud to offer people. And so, how can we be really mindful of how we do it, how we release it, how we put it into the world? Mm-hmm.
1: That's great. Yeah, I mean, on some level, I know that uh, uh, internet stuff uh, does have a significant. Using the internet has a significant carbon footprint as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but but there is this. Remember when this first started and people were like, you can, you guys are in California, actually. Mm-hmm. The photos of the skylines, like for the first time, I've never seen like the mm-hmm. Los Angeles skyline from my house. People were taking these photos and like animal life was returning to various mm-hmm. places and it was like, oh, f- you know, this is great. Maybe this will be a reset. But as we go now, the calls for normalcy, and I'm air quoting for those who can't see me, you know, they are frustrating to me because there's aspects of this that i appreciate uh just Definitely. the fact that we've been kind of forced to reconsider how we live um exactly. and I feel, yeah yeah
3: and it wasn't uh, normal like how we were living wasn't normal i think i saw sonia renee taylor on us there was some quote by her about that like there's we're not there's no it's not normal it wasn't normal let's not go back <laughs>
1: Yeah, or right, or correct. Like, maybe it was normal. I feel like a lot of shitty stuff was normalized. Yeah, and, right. And there's a push to bring it all back just so we can mm-hmm. feel that same, a different kind of dread and anxiety than the one we're having because of the pandemic.
3: Mm-hmm. Anyway,
1: Nate, similar question. I don't want to uh, leave you out uh, of the loop here. Like, what, what would you say about your perspectives on yourself, I guess, and this this year? How would you characterize that?
2: For me, it was... At the beginning of the pandemic, of course, I was really stressed about money and stuff. But then after the first few months, we were able to get on unemployment and kind of everything was it felt like, you know, we were going to survive or whatever, you know, be able to afford our our lifestyles. (laughs) Then so then I was like, totally like, okay, I'm going to like get in shape practice the piano like I was just like super like like go 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 like and and really uh driven I guess and then uh, unfortunately I or maybe it was fortunately I I was going on a jog and I fell down and broke my collarbone oh no and that's what they really weren't they warned us about that because of the
1: hospital capacities like if you're gonna exactly so I do everything in my house like I run we have a newer house, so I run the stairs. Like I, I'm pointing, mm-hmm. you can't see, but I have a column of stairs from the basement to the top floor. So that is my running routine. And but then be I just careful. Do, I know stairs. that's what my mom said. My mom was like, "Just uh, <laughs> don't." That doesn't sound safe either. But I'm like, I just figured it'll be okay. Who's gonna? F- yeah. I guess people do fall down the stairs a lot. Thanks, guys. I <laughs> yeah, thought I was yeah. really happy and feeling calm about my
2: routine. <laughs> Anyway, just be careful.
3: As we said, just
2: yeah. be
1: careful. Just be careful. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead.
2: You fell. So, I'm so sorry to hear that. It it's okay because when i I fell, I realized how I think I fell because I wasn't really thinking about the jog. I wasn't even I was not only was I not thinking about what I was going to do after the jog. I was thinking about what I was going to do after the after the after the jog. So I'm basically like running and I'm like as soon as I we finish this project, then we'll do this other thing. And, and, and as soon as I, you know, I was in the, Meryl took me to the emergency room. And the first thing I was thinking is like, I can't use this arm for the next three months or whatever. So I'm going to learn Spanish and like practice the piano with my right hand and and all the, and, and then suddenly like, it kind of dawned on me that like, why am I always trying to do stuff? Like, you know, we're in a pandemic and, everything that like up even before the pandemic like it everything was just like what can i accomplish you know what can i do how can i get better at music blah 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 and so for the first time i was just like what if i just lay down on the ground and like <laughs> heal basically so i i was just like laying on the floor and you know and in bed and stuff and and it was amazing actually like i was just like oh like ah. it's okay to not you know try for more more, you know, get better, do this, work on that. And just how I'd been sort of trained to just constantly feel like it was never enough, like I was never good enough at the bass or writing music. And so that really, I think it was an, a really good thing that happened to me. and And now the challenge is like that I'm fully healed, like how to kind of keep that attitude because it's like, you know, just being grateful for everything we have, instead of like always wanting more and always like striving, you know, for the next thing. So it was definitely like a, like a, I think it was a really good experience and, you know, luckily it, it wasn't, I can still play the bass and it wasn't too serious. So you've, you've healed. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you found your way to meditation. Um, yeah, as someone, as, as someone who myself, I, uh, have, had to uh confront the fact that i i have anxiety that i didn't really identify before Mm -hmm. and uh as you're speaking like i relate to everything you're saying like i do you know my wife will be like well you're a workaholic but i do think we do things to keep other things at bay exactly Uh, so i think when we over uh crowd our plates or whatever that's sort of keeping anxiety at bay like yeah all my when i'm running i'm thinking about what i'm going to do after the run it's a very good and astute point you're raising when i'm doing the dishes sometimes i have to stop because i have an idea and i have yeah. to go to the computer to type it out or or write it down somewhere and that's our minds and our brains you're right like we we just unfortunately they're like you got to think of something or else i'm going to give you something else to think about <laughs> exactly and you're not going to like that so and and so even being self-aware of that like you can't coping with it is i do the some of the were you told nate like to do the exercise again i don't know your situation i don't mean to pry mm-hmm. but uh, people when i when i identify the anxiety they said well you got to exercise you got to run was that part of your exactly. rationale for doing it yeah okay it, so we're probably and, similar and that that's regard. the
2: that's what i realized after the injury it's like basically my entire life you know i'm so stressed, so anxious that I have to just like run, you know, or exercise like every single day just to be calm. And so it's kind of like, like, how do you find that calmness without needing to exercise? And and then yeah. now I'm exercising a, a little bit more, but it's like, it's kind of like the icing on the cake instead of, you know, just to keep your anxiety at bay. Like if I've, and again, it's hard to, you know, now it's been a few months since i've been fully healed so i i have to keep reminding myself because i can tell that i'm like going back to the old ways of just yeah yeah you know go 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 and everything but definitely like i was meditating before the injury but i was actually like now i'm like was i really meditating or was i just kind of pretending (laughs) to meditate or you were just on on pause things were still happening
1: but you were paused yeah yeah that's that's fascinating and i'm happy that you you reach these conclusions. I guess, Meryl, did you have any, I know you talked about some of the positive aspects of the stillness as we're calling it, but did you have any interesting epiphanies about yourself? Cause that's another thing I think like Nate is a, the example he just cited, like a lot of people are having that. Oh, why do I do these things? Like, mm-hmm. you know, why was I doing all that stuff? And now that I can't, what does that mean? Like, you yeah. know, we all have our own little bits of OCD where we're out of habit you just keep doing the same shit <laughs> and yeah, you, yeah. you finally yeah sorry uh, yeah do you, do you yeah. have any similar kind of oh, yeah. revelations or no I mean say, I could same same yeah. as you guys I mean yeah. <laughs> anxiety yeah, yeah. workaholism
3: uh, yeah I, I it resonates with me
1: defining <laughs> yeah. ourselves by our work as opposed to other things maybe like do you have that Meryl
3: of course and, yeah. and I And I do think, you know, being a freelance anything, but specifically a freelance creative person that there's, I mean, we talk about this thing of, you know, we, we basically were told, well, you're never going to make a living doing that ever. So good luck to you, but you're, always, you know, that, that there's just this really powerful story of every day that you're that, you know, I mean, our lifestyle is, is, um, I mean we own a house and that is a huge lifestyle change in terms of like cash that we owe up yeah, yeah. every month. But other than that, it's you know, our lifestyle is pretty humble, I think. Cooking beans and rice in the instant pot. <laughs> I mean, like we pay we really pared down at you know, as soon as we our income was lost. Yeah. But I guess, you know, this the myth of being an artist and kind of being like everyday is this gift that you weren't supposed to be given you know that like you're
1: Absolutely, yeah. Just yeah, the guilt, that, yeah, feeling guilty yeah. almost that you're able to do right. stuff. Horrible. That's the
3: thing. Yeah. Exactly. And especially yeah. like in the early in the early days of 2 Yards I think I had a ton of that weight of guilt of of kind of leaving behind a community who you know tr- or trying to pull as many people as I could with me as I signed a record deal and then another record deal and went on tour and you know that there are so many people who aren't making a living doing this that yeah there is a bit of that survivor's guilt kind of thing and and then that makes us I think say yes to every single opportunity that comes up which is not sustainable in the long run
1: no it's true I've learned that as a freelancer too you just say yes and then you've said yes to so many things and you're looking at your calendar like, What the why did I What yeah. Yeah, something's
3: wrong and with it's me. It's not and it's not building <laughs> towards the thing that I then I'm like, what am I even doing? It's not building yeah. towards the thing that I wanted to be doing in the first place or I've lost I've like, I don't wanna speed through life. I don't think you want to either, Nate. Like I don't I don't think we want we wanna live presently and enjoying the fact I mean, we we're musicians for God's sake. Like <laughs> We're supposed to be enjoying. Like this is like one of the most. I don't know. I think it's one of the luckiest, holiest, if you will, uh, paths of of what you. I don't know. I've not to be too. I I don't mean. I just mean it's such a wonderful way of living to make music. Absolutely, Man.
1: absolutely. Yeah. No, I agree. I do think there is a weird thing where people people will say, uh, you know, why do you make your podcast? If you already have uh, other jobs and I say, well, what do you mean? Like, I, I, <laughs> I, I feel like it's a way to contribute to my community. I, it, it fulfills me. But then I think about it, those little comments, the microaggressions that get to you after a while. You're like, oh, why the fuck am I doing this? I don't make like a ton of money from doing it. It's just a thing on the side, but yeah. There's this feeling among people outside of the arts that everything we're doing is some sort of resume. Like every episode is like mm-hmm. a me applying for some job or hope like Ugh. you put out a record and you already have a, a record deal, but maybe somewhere people are like, well, that's just an application to, to get on right. a TV show or what anyway. It's right. just bizarre, and yeah. we need to to shake yeah. this mentality because we know yeah. why I think we actually know why we do what we do. Uh, cultural creators I mean not to put myself in your category but I mean people like us creative people or or people who are trying to engage with arts and culture like I think we know why we're doing it but every once in a while these questions pop up and then they get I'm susceptible to it and I'm sick of it I'm sick of listening to like I know why I'm doing it why do you care
3: right (laughs) (laughs) well and and that not everything I don't know I mean that was that was a lot of the way I was brought up too, especially I think my dad who grew up with, in a, you know, in a situation where he, he grew up with no money. So he really was yeah. like, how am I going to make a living? And he went to art school and then he transferred to architecture school as part of a like, you know, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to raise a family on paintings. You yeah, there's a practical
1: um, aspect to parenting, I guess. I mean but but that that the
3: capitalist myth of like well what what's the purpose you know yes. <laughs> instead of like what's a yeah yeah the, yeah, it's the all, purpose being money and security
1: that's right that existentialism actually stems from capitalism that's a good point it's a capitalist yeah. viewpoint <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i want to uh, retrace our steps a little bit uh, back to i i guess it would be i don't know if it necessarily stems from anything that occurred in 2018 but you put out a record called uh, i can feel you creep into my private life I believe it came out 3 years ago, right? 2018, is that right? Something yeah. like that, yeah. And I think so. And, and so my understanding is from what I've read is that that might have been an endpoint for Toon yards you were contemplating. We we're talking about doubt uh, <laughs> self doubt, what, what are we doing? Why are we doing it? Uh, am I correct? Like those kinds of I'll go to Merrill on this. Uh, did those kinds of feelings manifest themselves in a in a sensation of like I need to maybe stop doing this for some reason at that point sure but but and
3: yes i realize the press release probably says that and also nate reminds me that happens every time <laughs> like that every happens every time you do something I mean, you're like i'm done yeah. i'm done or and also the i think tun yards was always i mean i think that i can feel you creep record was initially titled the problem with tun yards like tun yards is is all of the questions tune yards is an existential question for me basically and always has been and so i've driven Nate to near madness i'm sure the number of times that i've been like i can't do this anymore and it, and whether that's because it makes no sense to get in a chevy prism and you know drive thousands of miles playing cruddy shows in diy spaces or is that because you know i'm a white woman influenced by black music in all these different ways. And that's, and that is essentially what Tune Yards is. is. Um, there have been many stops along the road. And I think that's why the albums continue to, to have this incessant self interrogation is because I'm always mm. like, what am I doing? And is this, is it healing or is it harmful? And, and if it's both, then like how do I steer towards the healing parts and make sure that I'm bringing bringing the audience along on that ride too. Does that make sense?
1: It does make sense. Uh, and that's a really, no, it's very articulate way of putting it. Um, because it's not simply, again, like you were saying this, why am I doing this question that you have clearly doesn't stem from that capitalist bent. I mean, you talked about like the material conditions of driving thousands of kilometers and, and playing maybe a not so great show. But you're doing some sociocultural introspection, which I don't think a lot of people do, particularly white people. So I think it's noble of you to if 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 there was self-doubt to be had, that's not a bad <laughs> <laughs> kind of self-doubt. That's a very honorable Why, and noble, <laughs> I think, you know, uh, to keep, keep the problem with tune yards. Was that a play on the Steve Albini essay, The Problem with Music, or was it something else?
3: oh no i i feel ashamed that i don't know that essay the
1: problem so very, with music. <laughs> the problem with music is a legendary essay he wrote in i want to say the late 80s or early 90s uh that just went after the music industry and that's what i i'm sure sorry where did your where did you come up with that problem with i'm sure that's used all the time but and maybe he even borrowed it do you remember where that came from
3: i don't i mean it okay. just felt i was like oh it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. Nate, I want your perspective on what Merrill was just talking about in terms of where uh Tune Yards fits. Uh, you know, I, my son in particular, and the whole house as a result, my son is nine, and he's mm-hmm. grown up. Of all the bands that he's been exposed to, Beastie Boys have mm-hmm. lasted. Uh, wow. And wow. so he thinks about the Beastie Boys all the time, talks about the Beastie Boys all the time. And wow. just as we're speaking, I decided randomly, I don't know what possessed me. Oh, I know what possessed me. I watched Saturday Night Live and St. Vincent was on. And her bass player, whose name, he's a very prominent bass player. You probably know. Do you know the guy who played in, with Beck and plays with St. Vincent? He's like a prominent multi-instrumentalist bass guy, very unique looking. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. I'm sorry. But anyway, I digress a little bit. I'm watching St. No, Vincent. That's
3: good to know. I, I was wondering what the band who was... Yeah,
1: I didn't know who the band was. I didn't well, recognize any the of them. The bass guy, the bassist rather, the bass guy, sorry Nate. Mm-hmm. The bassist. <laughs> oh, that's, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I call them, the bass guys. Uh no, the bass. <laughs> the, bass the, ba- guy. <laughs> <laughs> the bassist was Beck's bassist, so I think, you know how this happens sometimes. I was I decided to play Adele for mm-hmm. the family uh, and I don't yeah. know what I at the time I'm like, why am I playing Adele? And uh, my son was like, I don't want to listen. What is this? Beck, I don't want to. And I played it. He's like, whoa, this is really cool. He really liked it. And then, (laughs) yeah, that's right. That's right. New Pollution. Yeah. So I hadn't listened to it in a long time. As we're speaking, by the way, 25 years ago, it came out uh, this June. Wow. So anyway, my point here is this. Uh, I have been playing a sketchy around the house and uh, they all like it. My family has become Because of the circumstance Like they listen to Whether it's like Some discordant metal Or whatever Like whatever it is Like post-punk Like I just play What I have to cover If you will Or interviews Like I'm preparing And so I'm playing stuff So they all chime in And I "I like Kevin Morby I don't like What is this Do we have to listen To this person again And I say yeah yeah Whatever So anyway They love everyone's we, my daughter started this dance to Tune Yards at dinner. She does the oh, shoulder wow. dance, and everyone oh, has to do it. They loved the <laughs> record.
3: We passed the test.
1: You passed the <laughs> family awesome. test. But my son, uh, I started playing it today, and I don't know if his short term memory went. He's like, Is this Beck? And I'm like, No, yeah. it's not. But because he just heard Beck, so he heard Odalay. I'm like, No, it's the Tune Yards record. Goes, oh, right, right. Anyway, my point is this like, these are all Beastie Boys. Beck. Obviously, amalgamations of styles, of cultural expression. Uh, mm-hmm. I use the uh, much maligned term postmodern today to, to my wife. You know, uh, it's that kind of mm-hmm. everything's happening. So, all this to say, <laughs> it's a very long-winded way to go to Nate. Meryl's self-doubt, I think, comes from the fact that, uh, potentially, anyway, tuneyards to me has always been this sort of cultural stew. And I can see where you're like, I have an identity issue. I don't know what do I... How do I identify? It's all of my influences are coming through in this expression. Nate, what is your perspective on Meryl's self-doubt? And what is your perspective on the so-called problem with tune Yards? What do you make of that?
2: It's a good question. I think because Meryl is so... She's just like the most sensitive <laughs> and intelligent person. Like, basically... One of the, you know, that I've ever met in my life. She's incredible. So I think she has such an awareness that a lot of other people, including myself, like I didn't really think the way that she thinks. I do more now. But as I, when I was growing up, I was just like, I just want to play the bass. I just want to, you know, play music. And I didn't really think of the context that um, the way that Meryl does. It's almost like the ignorance is bliss thing. Like I'm just like, yeah, I just want to, you know, make music, and so I now I see more and more where she's coming from in terms of just not wanting to, you know, harm other people by like even like st- stealing their sound or and whatnot. But for so long of like when I first started playing with her. I was kind of like, what's the problem? Like, let's just, you know, jam, like, let's just play funk and and not really think the way that she does. So I, and then I think from the beginning, it was always like, um, like I remember she was like, if I don't make a living by the time I turn 30, I'm going to quit. And it was like, you know, (laughs) like for the last, like, you know, 10 years or so, it's always been once a year or so it's like this is the last time like and i'm kind of like that's fine then just like let me know so i can try to like get another (laughs) line line up another gig yeah 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 exactly yeah yeah
1: Yeah, okay so it's you think it's healthy to think about these things to contemplate oh yeah yeah your place definitely yeah yeah yeah
2: but it's you know it's just the thing is like because we like as white people we don't really have to think about anything we can just be like oh yeah i like this you know i like jazz i'm going to play jazz and and you don't really think about what jazz means like what it meant to african americans who were creating it and everything that like it's just like this the as you you know a trance of like this whiteness where we can just kind of you know in white privilege we can play whatever we want do whatever we want and not you know even question it because we're just like you know the dominant cast in society so I think it's really important to be aware of it and um and that's what definitely I think Meryl's you know really opened my eyes to all this way you know this whole other way of like kind of looking at music and looking at the world which I think is really important for for us and other white musicians too yeah
3: and can I add yeah I think what the uh, the other hearing you talk, though, about my self-doubt for so long. I think that that the um, another problem <laughs> with two <laughs> yards is that <laughs> is that I I can take it too far that my that like as we we're talking about this, the bigger stories of you shouldn't be doing this. This is, you know, your every day that you get to do this is is like, a, you know, lucky you're, you're 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 so lucky and soon it's all going to go to hell. Mm-hmm. I think that. I have to, I have to be careful of not, of not self-sabotaging, yeah, you know, yeah. of not saying so so Nate over the years has really helped me. And I mean, even that you're mentioning, I mean, is Beck in like curled up in a fetal position about like trying to reckon with his cultural appropriation shit? I highly doubt it. He's probably on some cloud of his <laughs> religion of choice. You know what I mean? Like like what um that that I think someone asked me yesterday about you know, we were talking about journalists generally like being reductive around cultural appropriation and and saying you know kind of being like Meryl Garbus appropriates you know and and I was kind of like I'm the one who's like I'm the one saying that I'm doing this so that we can have a conversation about it not so that I can be a scapegoat for you know indie rock culture and I think that's I think I I need to back up and open my eyes to that, like, it's, it's really not a black and white thing. And that actually deprives us, uh, deprives us of the conversation, you know, and that and deprives me of the conversation, which is why we're still making records is because I can see how it still feels helpful to me. To be like, yeah. How are you going to reckon with two yards? How are you going to reckon that you like this music, or some people like this music, yeah. <laughs> and that we're, and that we're moving our bodies to this music? And how are we going to engage and move forward, knowing what we know?
1: I feel like you're 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 kind of getting into something that has occurred, particularly, I think, over the last. Uh, it's 2021. Five years. Let's say since you last your last president uh, came to the mm-hmm. fore, which is that um, for all the frustration, tragedy, loss of life, um, particularly Black lives, I think we are at a point where we're really finally able to delve into what white supremacy means on a complex mm-hmm. level, which I don't think was really uh. done. I mean, when you saw those tiki torch people in Charlottesville, I believe.
2: Mm-hmm
1: that term started to come up. White supremacy, white supremacy. These are white supremacists. But then as the years went on, I feel like we, to your point, maybe, Meryl, and I I hope I'm not misreading it, but what does white supremacy mean generally? Why do some people have platforms and some people don't? On whose backs do they have those platforms? I Mm -hmm. think possibly you are raising those questions by speaking out yourself. And I will say, not to get awkward, but... My wife wasn't that familiar with you, and I offhandedly, I never do this. I was brushing my teeth before our chat. I'm like, any questions for Toon Yards? Because we've been listening to it so much. (laughs) So she Googles you. She's like, oh, she saw a photo of you. Oh, oh, she's, I didn't, she's white. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's fascinating you said that. Yeah, yeah. And so, (laughs) again, not to be awkward, but anyway, uh, is that a fair assessment that you, again, you, people like you bringing this up, other people now, millions of people bringing this up. What does white supremacy mean for everything? Mm-hmm. Not just the tiki torch people. Right. What does it mean right. for everyday life? You feel like that's it's healthy that we're really getting into that.
3: It really, it really, really is. Because it has to do with everything. And because we're so, white people in general seem so uncomfortable with the phrase. Without, you know... I, I did a. I ran a workshop at a college um, after the last record. Um, was invited to do a talk on radical ideas and art, or something like that. And a friend of mine and I just we were like, well, if we're going to talk about radical ideas, this isn't going to be like a lecture where I'm up on a podium talking to you. We're going to sit in a circle and yeah. like start engaging with each other. And I remember there was someone who, you know, we were talking about white supremacy and white supremacy culture and how, you know, and one older white dude was like, I don't understand why you keep using that term. We're not this. We are not the Ku Klux Ku, Ku, Klux, Ku, Ku, Klux Ku Klux Klan. Ku oh Klux God. Klan. Yeah. I'm glad I can't say it. Good.
1: Um, Sorry. Does that make me bad but, that I know how to say it? I, don't, <laughs> I, I just know not. how to say things. It doesn't make me a bad person. <laughs>
3: You're not a bad person. Um, you, you brush your teeth this morning. You're not I a bad brush person. My, I
1: floss and brush my teeth every day. Wow. And I try to wow. do my best. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
3: That's really all we need. I hate it. They,
1: the dental hygienist is always like, this is just crazy. I wish more people... Took care of their teeth <laughs> like you. I'm like, thanks. Then the dentist wow. walks in. So you've got 35 cavities. I'm like, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's no connection between any anything. You two are oh, the same shit. profession. One yeah, person is no. like, anyway, sorry. That was, a t- that was definitely one's, a tangent. One's
3: on, the, one's on the gums. One's on the, like, sorry, you were born with weak enamel. Yeah.
1: I have to watch like a Seinfeld episode while I floss my teeth. To entertain myself every It's gross mm. The living room Where the TV is It's probably kind of gross <laughs> Flex of food everywhere <laughs> All over the screens But I'm like I gotta do so. I Just every That's night I floss and brush Yeah, sorry Anyway
3: Thank you I needed that tip Well, it's a I helpful a I, it
1: I also had the toothbrush diet I'll tell you this, Meryl mm-hmm. Seven Uh-oh. o'clock I floss and brush my teeth After dinner And then If uh-huh. I eat anything I lament That I've wasted Toothpaste yeah. and yeah. floss So it's a way To wow. keep the food uh, you know, like you're not supposed to eat past around then anyway. I think That's if you right. go to bed, dinner's, so dinner's done. Yeah, so the, the toothbrush done. diet, it almost you still always work, and I fail now. But anyway, that well, was a crazy pandemic. tangent. I'm sorry, oh the dentist. God. Yes, where,
3: where were we? Clu- I was talking Clux- about uh, Ku
1: Klux Klan. Yeah, we were we were yeah, just Ku- bouncing Klan. off the Ku oh Klux Klan, Klan into my yeah, mouth.
3: Just riffing, just riffing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, but, but white supremacy. To your
3: point to your point white supremacy if if i mean it makes uh, so much sense but when like the song hypnotized on this last album it was oh my god it. beautiful it was, song
1: just so catchy you. that is a goddamn single like why is it <laughs> that should be a sick sing- like i in my head all i'm hypnotized by it and it's we all just like lose ourselves in the house to that song awesome anyway sorry awesome. What, what were you gonna say about well it? it's sorry. about the trance of whiteness
3: so now that you next time you lose oh, yourself no. in it you, <laughs> but not you know i like to keep the meanings open of course but part of part of what i was realizing for my In my own experience of doing work on whiteness over let's say these past six seven years where i was like okay i need to i i came from doing this album studying with haitian drummers and dancers i mean a a haitian drumming teacher in particular and dance teacher going to haiti really taking in you know taking in those rhythms into my hands learning how to play them And then making a record that was very influenced by that music and then understanding myself as a white person in being welcomed into black community here in Oakland and and really needing to take a step into a white affinity space, really into into being like, "Whoa, whoa, wait a second. I feel like I could be causing harm here in a way that I don't understand and so finding my way into really needing to to get myself into a situation where I could wake up from that trance of whiteness. And and it's terrifying to understand, to start to understand, because, of course, there's a part of me that's known it my whole life. But I think when we see people going, wait, white supremacy, you like, I'm not a bad white person, that we see the grip of. Just wanting to be the good kind of white person instead of seeing our place in a system where, like you say, black folks are dying and and to see that it's not we are that we are a part of it, that yeah. we are a part, you know, however good in quotes we think we are, that we can't we are a part of this hierarchy. and um, yeah, so. Oh, the waking up from a trance. So that that terror, I I see why there is such resistance to yeah. want, wanting to categorize. That's the bad kind of white. That's a racist kind of white person. Instead of being like, all white people are racist. <sighs> yes. That, you know, yeah. that is just let's just all say that. That's how we were indoctrinated into being white in this in this culture, in these cultures. Yeah. And just go from there.
1: Yeah. Fair. That's well put. Um, I want to get into the music-making aspect of uh, this record uh, because I read that some of... I I mentioned Beastie Boys, and I read that Mm -hmm. uh, having read that Beastie Boys book, uh, that actually inspired you two to get into the studio. Nate, can you talk a little bit about... Mm -hmm. And we've also talked a little bit about improvisation. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how improvisation, fooling around, if you will, in the studio Mm -hmm. on your instruments has influenced Sketchy. And I wonder, Nate, if you can talk about that because it mm-hmm. sounds like, you know, thoughts were percolating in Merrill's mind about the world at large and then you would enter the studio and try to find soundtracks for them on some level and, and lyrics, obviously, as well. But let's start with the music. Nate, how would you describe the process of, of you two creating the sound of Sketchy, maybe as it relates to other records you've made or, or anything else, really? Can you, can you talk about that a bit?
2: I mean, I think a lot of it was like, we'd go into the studio and it was sort of like, okay, let's like set up these little games that we'd play. So sometimes it would be like, we'd roll the dice. We had these like 12 sided dice and, and, you know, say you roll like three dice and then a three and a four and an eight or something. And then we'd be like, okay, like let's say seven, eight, or, three bars of four four or like kind of there was no like real you know yeah just a game of chance almost a game of chance yeah and a lot of that was just sometimes was just like to kind of get us going because and like sometimes we would just like start uh and it was like like open-ended where Meryl's on the drum set i'm on the bass and other times we'd just be like okay let's let's actually like you know, decide a tempo to kind of like set up some sort of system so that it wasn't all just, com- you know, completely uh, free form. But yeah, it was definitely a lot of improvisation where we'd just, you know, hit record. And then in a lot of the songs, and and too, like once we'd kind of get going, then we'd sort of improvise within the song too, where like maybe it would just be, that one section you know before they became songs like maybe it was just like the verse section and then we would just like like i love like looping you know of a uh, section and then i'm just kind of like the next half hour just like record way too many tracks on bass or synth and you know I'd go in a lot of times when Meryl wasn't there because I knew it kind of would drive her crazy because like <laughs> I just it, it's so fun for me. But it's also like kind of annoying if you're just like sitting there watching someone just like over a dub for, you know, a half hour straight. So like like when she'd leave the studio, I'd go in, like open up all these sessions and then just like improvise over everything and my I have a good friend Ross Peacock who plays synth, and and he'd come in too. Like every, it's really funny because I don't think Meryl was ever in the studio when he was there, but a lot of times like it was, it felt like we'd like sneak in and kind of like open up the sessions without her, and then just like overdub for the next like three or four hours.
3: And then it come in the next day and erase it all. <laughs> yeah. And take like take t- you know, a three second fraction. How fragment. dare you? How dare yeah. you do
1: this to my work? Yeah, no, was funny. <laughs> yeah. I didn't
3: I didn't erase it. We use a lot of it actually. Yeah. But it but it was a lot of sorting through, you know, like massive space jams. Yeah.
1: That's but kind of that's a t- that's a problem with tune yards, if you will, as well. There's a lot <laughs> yeah. of collagey stuff that you kinda have to finesse and figure out and I'm sure if we ever heard like the demos or the initial uh source material of what you've sort you kind of sample yourselves a little bit right that's mm-hmm. is that an accurate way of putting it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so so i imagine if we ever heard like stems if you will or whatever like the source material we'd be like what the hell this does not sound right that mm-hmm. nate is that you kind of being the scientist and
2: screwing no, stuff up, i mean both of you uh, both of us but i will say like we we have different you know things that we like and dislike and so like my one of my favorite things is starting from scratch completely nothing just and then just like the first you know ideas but I really hate finishing songs like editing mixing and Meryl's the opposite I think where like she loves to actually like really get Detailed, and I like really can't stand it. I just want to like basically go in and just like throw down like a million ideas. So it works well in that way where like we sometimes like. Just being like, okay, let's start something new. Let's like, I always want to start something new. Even now, I'm like, what are we doing with this podcast? Let's go to the studio and start <laughs> something. <new>. Look <laughs> all this talking. Yeah.
1: Sorry, you sh- yeah, you're, you're no. awesome and everything, but we really
0: need to go to the <laughs> yeah. studio. Now.
1: Yeah, I gather. Yeah, like, I-, I wonder if these practices apply to like your cooking. I feel like I would enjoy Merrill's cooking more than Nate somehow because <laughs> yeah. she's taken all the ingredients, she's got her mise en place and it's all set up and I'm going to like it's all thought out and you're just like here's what I made and I'm like Nate this yeah. is barely edible <laughs> what did you do is that sorry I don't know why I'm hungry I guess is why I'm bringing this he's up He's
3: getting he's getting a lot better but but you what do you <laughs> call it he, mishmash that Nate I
1: calls was was I am I on some to something mish-mash. am I on to you're something so on to something yes. I this feel like very, it's applicable to that, <laughs>
2: The instant pot, so you just right. throw it all in there,
1: mishmash. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, <laughs> for what it's worth, I I think uh, I've always loved tune yards, but this record is particularly fantastic. So I'm glad it didn't stop, uh, so to speak, and I'm glad uh, I I. But I appreciate that it might uh, someday, and I pre I mean I appreciate mm-hmm. that if it does someday, it might be for the right reason because you think about things. And I think that's really valuable. I wish we could talk longer, but in the interest of time, I think we should uh, start to wrap up a little bit. And I want to ask both of you a couple things. Well, I normally at this point, it's very hard because the future is so tenuous. But what's next? You made this record, I assume, mostly pre-pandemic, I think or no. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So have you been I asked the question about how creative you've been feeling uh, since the stillness. Nate have you been writing and recording uh music in this time of
2: stillness? Not Tunyards, but a lot of other things like oh. for I've, I'm working on a solo project doing remixes trying to also just start writing for the sake of writing instead of like oh for an album or for you know but we've been also having some random gigs like for example we're doing a 45 minute score for mass mocha museum where people just like you know walk around in the museum and listen to it so and rehearsing and everything but i i think like i i like the just the process of like going to the studio and making music and maybe it could end up on an album or something else but just for the sake of doing it versus like you know to finish something or
3: do you you have your own studio We have a, yeah, we have a rehearsal studio. It's not a, it's not soundproofed or a proper recording studio, but we have a a space that we can go to and make make noise,
1: record, record yourself. And
2: and that's where we recorded the last album. Oh, okay.
1: Okay, cool. Okay. So you've got that. Meryl, have you been Mm -hmm. writing lyrics, thinking about ideas or anything at this point? I think in, in pandemic spirit,
3: I've been reading a lot more than writing, um, which has felt good and I, I try to write every morning but I don't know it's things have been kind of so I don't know what it is I think it's as you guys were talking about not being able to sit still with your <laughs> feelings I was like yeah I haven't been able to write in a journal for a really long time yeah it's it feels hard like there's really big big stuff but um, we're doing a scoring a couple of scoring gigs so I was saying to Nate I think you know getting back to a Monday through Friday showing up at the studio and um, uh, yeah, we had a good com- couple improvs of just getting back into for me, getting back into singing. But I think this whole pandemic we've had enough, i i am really goal oriented yeah. as discussed <laughs> workaholism so we've <laughs> yep. gotten some producing for other artists gigs oh great um and so we've that's been you know it, there's been a trickle of work coming in in these other ways that's been um for me It, it i really need to take a break from writing two yard songs specifically but it's yeah i agree just just to keep the creative juices in a flow uh is really yeah. important just to keep going
1: Okay. Now, if uh, the record, Sketchy, again, brilliant record. It's out now. I hope people, uh, if they haven't already, I hope they check it out. Uh, if people want to kind of keep tabs on Toon Yards, so to speak, using mm-hmm. their computers and their telephones, Meryl, where mm-hmm. would you like to send them? Mm. Which which it's giant hard. corporation it's, do you want to cite right now?
3: It's That's the thing. I want you to stay off your phones as much as possible. However, so for me, it's like you can sign up for our newsletter and we just do email blasts. And that, that's that been my... I, I have been trying not to go on social media as much. But that being said, Instagram at Toon Yards is probably the way. And I'm definitely posting there regularly. And um, we're on Facebook too, all the places. Yeah, you're on Facebook. There's the also... Mm-hmm. You can write me... Directly at Sketchy at gmail.com. And that's been super fun, too, of just more, like, letters, you know, okay. um, one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, but the newsletter is probably the best way to get our,
1: actually, what's happening. Do you sign up on your website or something? Mm-hmm.
3: Yep, tuneyards.com with a hyphen mm-hmm. or without. Oh. Either one work.
1: Okay. It's a miracle. <laughs> right. All right, that's excellent. <laughs> now, uh, before we leave, I was hoping one of you... And perhaps both of you, by consensus, can choose a song from Sketchy for us to go out on. And, um, Nate, I'm going to start with you. Can you think of it? A- and, Meryl, feel free to override his decision. Mm-hmm. But, Nate, uh, is there a song that comes to mind that you think we could play for people right now?
2: Why not Under Your Lip? Ooh.
1: Under Your Lip. Now, why, why did you think of that, Nate?
2: Well... That's a good question. I, I don't know. I just It just came to me, you know? It just came.
3: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's the one song that I feel like I, I don't even remember that it's on the album because the other singles have gotten so much attention. Right. But um, I don't know. What does your family think of Under Your Lip? Can we go by their judgment? I'm
1: trying to think if they've cited that one. As a, we've talked about Hypnotized. We've talked about Nowhere Man. We've talked about a few of the songs. I don't know. Yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head, but why don't we... I'll play it for them. I'll play it for everyone right now, and then I'll play it for them specifically, and then they can be like, yeah, that was an okay choice, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That seemed all right. I would have maybe gone I mean, with something else, but... Uh, I'm
3: just saying, like, we might want to override... If, if sure. this is our... If people have never heard us before.
1: Hypnotize might be the song. Oh, that, wow. There was an actual objection. That's... Ooh. Objection. Objection. <laughs> no, Under Your I mean, Lip, that, is, that, under that, lip that, is cool, but Hypnotize is, like I said earlier, that's a... What do the kids say? It's a, it's a bop. It's a jam. It's a whatever the children are uh, saying now. I don't know. Smash.
2: smash. It's a smash. It's
1: a smash.
3: I didn't mean to. That's not what the kids are saying. <laughs> I don't know if they're
1: saying that. Okay. Are you okay with that, Nate? You've been overridden. Can we go with Hypnotize?
3: <laughs> it's, it's one that we talked about the most. And then if people are really curious, they can listen to the whole album. And then they'll be like, oh, I like
2: Nate's choice. Okay. Okay. That, that sounds good with me. And the one thing that I was meant to say earlier, we have to let you know about Sketchy TV.
1: Oh, sorry, I didn't know about this. What's sketchy TV? It's
2: <laughs> no one knows about it, but you will know soon.
1: Okay, well that were sketchy in itself as a pronouncement. <laughs> sketchy TV. <laughs> sketchy TV is coming. If people it's coming. Okay. Well look at
3: I mean it does apply when you were talking about if if we could hear each element separately. Oh. Let's just say that sketchy TV might offer you such an experience. Oh.
1: Some insights into the production, perhaps is what we're Perhaps. leaning on here. Okay, well, keep an eye. Maybe we'll all sign up for the newsletter, and then we'll be the f- first right. to know about Sketchy you TV. Will. Okay, from yeah. their
2: album... But make sure to <laughs> ch- check your spam check. folder, too. <laughs>
1: it's always a bad sign when someone says, sign up for my email. It might be in your spam, because your email will reject it <laughs> yeah. and think it's garbage. Yeah. Uh, no, exactly. we won't think it's garbage. We'll check our spam <laughs> filters for sure. Okay, from the album yeah. Sketchy which is out now by Two Yards. It's a wonderful, wonderful record, one of the best of the year that I've heard anyway. Uh, this is Hypnotize. Uh, Meryl, Nate, thank you so much for this time. I hope you enjoyed yourselves, Thanks. and best of luck
2: in the future.
3: We did. Thank you so much. This is so so pleasurable.
2: Thank you so much. Hope to see you sometime soon.
1: I might need a band to back me up on Empire State of Mind at the drop of a hat. So We're there. Please, We're, we got please you. learn it. <laughs>
2: Thank you.
0: The trees are in the meadow. The cows are in the trees. The people aren't anywhere to be found. It's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, if. if only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? Alright, I'll do it.
1: Thanks again to Meryl and Nate of Toon for appearing on this, the 616th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about, you're looking for it, and you just can't track it down, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook. You can also follow the show on Twitter, at creative. Or you can follow me directly uh, on Twitter and on Instagram, at Vishkana. Also visit patreon.com slash control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast. A reminder that $6 or more a month grants you access to exclusive audio and hopefully lots more visual video content. And if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, please just message me on Patreon and I'll get you one while supplies last. Again, all of that info available at patreon.com slash creativecontrol. Thanks again to the fine Alberta record retailer Blackbird Music. Uh, you can place special orders and learn more about Blackbird at their website, blackbird.ca and bird is spelled like the band The Birds, So B-L-A-C-K-B-Y-R-D.ca, blackbird.ca. Also want to thank live at where you can watch beautifully captured concerts by some amazing artists I also want to thank Pizza Trocadero The Bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show thanks as always to my dear friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on this show each and every week you can learn more about Jim and his vast catalog of music at jimguthrie.org and finally thank you very much for listening to this episode with uh, Tune Yards if it's your first time listening to Creative Control welcome I hope you enjoyed it If you're a hardcore fan of the show, thanks for your support. Thanks for telling your friends about the show, maybe subscribing to the podcast or following it, whatever you use to keep track of these things. And uh, tell your friends, Maybe, maybe they'll do the same thing. I don't know. Anyway, that's all I have for now. I'll have more for you next week, I'm sure. Until then, take care and bye for now.